0: Let's pray. Father God, your faithfulness is indeed without end, and we praise you for that because our faithfulness so often can be so sketchy. We praise you, Lord, that your providence is always with us. We are yours. We are in your hand, and there's no one who can take us from that. Praise you, Lord, for the immensity of who you are. And we acknowledge that this morning in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Last week, we took a look at Acts chapter 27, right? And saw the nature of the world, nature of God, and the Christian. We saw that the world is a cursed place of storms and hardships because of the sin of mankind it has fallen and difficult to live in but God. God sees us through those hardships and storms in his providence that the Christian might become an encouragement and a witness to others, right? As we approach chapter 28, we're going to build upon that picture of the world, God, and the Christian, seeing that the world is not only cursed and difficult, but as I mentioned last week, it is indeed lost. It is lost in superstition and idols. But God watches over us in his providence, providing us with everything that we need, that the Christian would not only be an encouragement, but a source of tangible compassion to the world as we share the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Acts 28, starting at verse 1. says, After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when had, this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to set sail, they put on, they put on board whatever we needed. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you. The world is lost in superstition and idols let me give you an example half of you are going oh go ahead and do it <laughs> the half the other half of you are going he can't do that <laughs> right raise your hand if you don't walk under a ladder of course nobody's going to raise their hand now right there's only a few of who are willing to actually admit that if you, if you did, you'd have bad luck, right? What happens if you break a mirror? Seven years of bad luck, right? To this day, even Christians are hesitant to do these things. Why? Because we've been raised in a culture of superstition. Verses 4 through 6. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds, said that he was a god. Humanity is in a constant search for ways to explain what they see around them. So the people of the Isle of Malta see what happens to Paul. He was bitten by a poisonous viper. He should have fallen over dead. And they, they wait for this personified justice, right? To take vengeance upon him for some presumed wrongdoing. If he was bitten, he must have done something wrong, right? It's karma, right? When that doesn't happen, then, well, he must be a god himself if he can go through something like this. What other explanation is there? What, what else could it be? People are reaching for reason to define their circumstances, so we get philosophies like karma and luck or, or a wondrous variety of religions in this world. More intellectual people come up with pseudo scientific superstitions like the theory of evolution which, by the way, actually requires more of a blind faith and and, and actually a, a denial of facts, a denial of what we see around us. It requires more of a blind faith to accept than that there is intelligent design and a creator. The world would just so rather find faith in anything but the God of creation, the God who gave us his word. They're they're so desperate that perfectly intelligent people like Richard Dawkins say things like, something, and I quote him right now, something can come from nothing. Soak that in for a second. Something can come from nothing. You can dispute exactly what is meant by nothing. Let that soak in for a second. But whatever it is, whatever nothing is, it is very, very simple. Physicists are now telling us that nothing can somehow split itself up into matter and antimatter because the two cancel each other out and become nothing, right? Call me stupid, but I thought nothing was just that. Nothing, a void, a vacuum. But we live in a day and age where we are determined to redefine language, to redefine words in an effort to make our philosophies and the world work our way. Because life is easier when we have gods and philosophies that we can fully comprehend or control because we have made them, we have created them ourselves, and so they let us have our way. We would rather do that because if we were to confess that there is a God, that there is one who created the heavens and the earth, that there is one who is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, that there is one who is sovereign and Lord, then we would be responsible to him. And if we are responsible to him, then we might have to change how we think and how we live. I might have to give up the God of myself and the idols of worldly gain. Ever since the fall of the world into sin, mankind has been on a quest to replace God and to exalt ourselves. We see it in Genesis at the Tower of Babel, right? They're trying to reach to heaven. We see it still to this day as nations fight amongst themselves trying to rule over one another. Even through things, we even try to replace God through things like unusual kindness, like the unusual kindnesses that the people on Malta showed to Paul and those with him. We try to gain glory and gain our own eternal life through good works. We try to replace God's righteousness with one of our own. Anything but God. And all that would be well and good if if there was no God of creation. And that is a big and irrational if. Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The fool, Psalm 14 says. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Because the world is a cursed place, storms and hardships, and it is lost in superstition and idols. But God, but God in his loving providence provides for both the lost and the saved in this very passage. He provides for the one who has trusted in Jesus Christ, and he provides for the one who has not yet recognized him. Verses 8 and 9, it says, it happened, that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. When this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island, who had diseases, came and were cured. Here we see Paul healing the sicknesses of the people of Malta, right? But who is it who is doing the actual healing? As we've gone through this book of Acts, we've realized that God's people are a power to be dealt with, but it's not until God's Spirit has come upon them. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when? When this Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 3. Who was it that healed the lame beggar? Peter addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murder to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see now see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. It is God who has been the source of all the wondrous works that we've seen in the book of Acts. Just as the church family acknowledged in chapter 4 as they were praying to God, they said grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you Stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It is God who stretched out his hand to heal this people on the Isle of Malta in their time of need. And because God did this for them, verse 10, it says, they also honored us greatly. And when we were about to set sail, they put on board whatever we needed. See, the people were more than willing to supply Paul and those with him with everything they needed to continue their journey. God having provided for Paul and his companions by showing compassion upon those who are lost. You see, this world is lost in superstition and idols, but God provides what is necessary. It provides what is necessary that the Christian would have the opportunity to show Christ-like compassion to the world around us. How many of the people on this island were believers when Paul first landed on the island? Did you count how many? None, right? How many of them received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? doesn't say that any of them did, does it? Luke loves to tell us when the church is added to, right, at the very beginning of Acts, he says, 3,000 were brought in that day, even when they were in Athens and nobody really wanted to receive Christ. There were a couple, and Luke mentions them. When God adds the church, Luke loves to tell us. How many people, though, of all those who accepted Christ, and of all those who had Christ in their hearts before he got there, how many people did Paul heal How many people did Paul show compassion to? A lot. The rest of the people on the island who had diseases. See, God's compassion for his creation and mankind is not conditional. Just as he continues to provide rain for the just and the unjust. To borrow the words of Leon Morris, Jesus loved because he was a loving person not because he found attractive qualities in those he loved. Romans tells us that we were his enemies and he still died for us. His followers are to be loving people, not simply to be drawn to attractive people. When Jesus came and set foot on this earth, he showed immense compassion on the hurting and the sick. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He didn't have them fill out a form or make sure that they agreed with him theologically, that they received him as the Messiah. He didn't ask them to tell him the four pillars of faith or recite the Roman's road or sit through a sermon. He simply saw them where they were in their hurts and trials and had compassion on them. And he chooses to use the Christian today to fill the gap, to put Christ on display by encouraging And and by having compassion on those around us as we proclaim the truth of the gospel. See, there will be a day when God judges the sin of mankind, won't there? That day is coming, but this is not that day. We are called to be discerning, we are called to know the truth from a lie, right from wrong, God's ways from the world's ways, and to walk accordingly not to fall into the worldly philosophies around us. We are called to share the truth of the gospel, that sin is exceedingly sinful, and it is that which separates us from God. That salvation, reconciliation to God, is by faith alone, in Christ alone. And we need to do that. We need to speak the truth. We need to speak the truth in love, and with compassion. Knowing the character of Paul as we've been going through this book of Acts, you can be sure that he found a way to share the gospel as he healed and, and showed compassion, the compassion of Christ to the people of Malta. But he didn't reserve that compassion behind some kind of prejudgment. True compassion comes without reservation. How's our compassion? How's our compassion for others? Is it conditional? As people walk through the doors and we don't know them, how are we seeing them? Are we looking at how they're dressed, what they smell like, and you're a little bit different than me? How's our compassion? Is it conditional? Or is it just compassion? Is it a heartfelt sympathy and concern for the suffering of others? Regardless of where they stand before God or ourselves. As Jesus tells us, we are even to love our enemies, right? You have heard that it was said, these are the words of Jesus, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. How am I actively showing those in need around me the love and compassion of Christ? Because maybe as we show compassion, as we display Christ-like love for them, They just might want to know the God who made us the way we are. If I were to look carefully at my compassion, if I were to measure it out, would I win anyone to Christ with who I am? And I will tell you this, if we have a hard time reaching out to people who walk through our doors, how hard will it be to show compassion to anyone outside our doors? I've been in conversation with our outreach committee. And, and please, I, I say this because I want, you, I want you to keep us all in prayer. It's only the thinking stage at this point. But please keep it in prayer as we consider just how we can engage our community with, with very hands-on, compassion ministry. If, if we want people to see Christ in us, we have to show them Christ-likeness, don't we? if we want Alden Union Church to be known as a Christ-centered church family that not only knows God's word, but knows how to live it out in our lives, let's be compassionate as God provides us with gifts and opportunities that we might better fulfill our call to bear witness to the person and works of Christ in word and in deed. Because the world is a cursed place of storms and hardships. It is lost in superstition and idols. But God in his providence provides for the lost and he gives to the saved everything we need that the Christian might be an encouragement to those around us as we are a source of tangible compassion. Paul didn't just say to them, I'm so sorry you're sick. Get some rest. He he did all he could for them. He didn't push them away because they didn't receive Christ. He showed Christ to them where they were. We need to be those who put Christ on display for the world to see while we bear witness to the truth of the person and works of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would change our hearts, that as we hear from your word, we wouldn't just be hearers, but we would be doers of your word. Lord, give us opportunity, and then by your Spirit, help us to recognize those opportunities as they come our way, as we go out these doors and into the world around us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see those who need compassion. Help us to recognize how you've gifted us that we might be those who show Jesus Christ to them and and bless them, putting an arm around them and praying with them. Lord God, we need your help in this to see how and when and where. Change our hearts, oh God. Help us to mature as a body in Christ, to become more like your son. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.